and welcome back to Slacks, a queer podcast about three London lesbians. Um, we discuss various issues that we find interesting and we hope you like to listen to. Um, my name is Mallory. I'm Matilde. I'm Darina. And today we have a very special guest, um, Brona C. Titley. Hello. Hey, Brona. Hi. So Brona is a TV comedy writer and actor. Um, she writes on various panel shows, sketch shows, award shows, and quiz shows. And she's best known for her work on The Tracy Ullman Show, who I'm obsessed with personally, um, 8 Out of 10 Cats, and the BAFTA TV Awards, amongst a few. Uh, welcome, Brona. We're excited to have you on today. Well, Thank you so much. I love Mother- how when you said what I was best known for, it sounded like you said Brona is breast known for. And I was like, <laughs> yes, yes, I am. That's right. <laughs> Um, I sometimes say things that I shouldn't say, like in the last episode, I think I said flaps instead of slacks. So <laughs> that, that would be a great spin-off podcast for you guys. Flaps. <laughs> flaps. I mean, it's Freudian. Flaps. That's just what you got in your mind, Mal. <laughs> I mean, don't we all? Flaps and um, breasts. So how- well, I'm glad we got straight to flaps. <laughs> <laughs> how's, how's life in uh, quarantine been for you? Uh, oh, I mean, what a triumph. What a wonderful, wonderful time to be alive. Um, no, I mean, God, it is a good time to be alive, considering uh, that there is, uh, you know, so much death toll. But um, yeah, it's been a strange experience um, for everybody, I'm sure, but especially for me, uh, while we're talking about me, because uh, I had a baby just before lockdown and so sort of went from the strange sort of self-imposed quarantine of having a newborn to just starting to go out into the world again. And then boom, a uh, global health crisis and haven't been able to leave the house in eight weeks. So yeah, it's been a lot of twinkle, twinkle little star. Um, yeah. <laughs> 24 <laughs> hours a day. <laughs> I um, Brona, you're Irish, which is obviously very important to note for the podcast. Very important to start with that, Darina. Thank you so much for uh, the big We're currently reveal. 50% Irish as, as we currently <laughs> speak. We are. Finally taking over. It's overwhelming. Finally. Um, where in Ireland are you from, Brona? And also, I... my accent is going to go through the roof Irish now because we've had. <laughs> to the inbox saying that I sound more British than Irish. And also thank you to the person who said that I sound like Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I'm like, I'll take it. But I'm not sure if it's true. If you like uh, that, I'm glad that you like it. I don't like the accent police that tell me when my vowels go a bit British. Um, But I am from Dublin. I don't know if you've heard of Dublin. It is a small town. (laughs) Um, I'm aware of it. I don't know Dublin. I don't know Dublin all that well, actually. Where are you from? So I'm from I'm from Cork, but I'm from a very small part of Cork, a place called Kenturk. Oh right, okay. My dad is from Cork City. Are we cousins? <laughs> We're in Cork City, and do you uh, have any Connollys in your family? Douglas. Oh, the trail goes cold. Oh uh, no, it doesn't, Arena. Work harder. <laughs> Find the connection. Yes. There's going to be something. There's going to be something somewhere. Like a I cousin. think it's safe to assume that you're related somehow. Wait, I think you that's guys safe are to related. Assume. We oh sure are. I can see it in the eyes. <laughs> it's the blonde as well. It's the light hair. That's right. Classic Irish blondes, the pair of us. Because mine is so natural. Just mine. <laughs> There's just some natural blonde hair. Um, We're just an island of natural blondes that for some weird reason during lockdown have loads of dark roots. Just, it was this weird... It's a weird you're painting the roots happened. on. <laughs> 
I'm reading Marion Keys at the moment, so I feel like there's a bit of Irish in me as well. Which one are you reading? Oh, it's the latest one. Grown Up. Look, I know uh, I'm going to get judged, whatever, but I I just love them. No, it's wonderful. Grown Ups is her latest book. Yes. Is that the one? Yeah. yeah, no, it's absolutely gorgeous book. I've read it as well. It's just like big Irish family, like, yeah. you, know, dr- you know, relationships. She does that great. so well, like relationship dynamics and... Yeah. And like how she sort of peppers it with tiny little like Irishisms in it. And oh, <laughs> so nice. What's your favorite Irishism, Mathilde? Um, I love Feck. Yeah. <laughs> I love Egypt. <laughs> um, I also love Catch Yourself On, but that's more Dairy Girls. Okay, yeah. Yeah, um, we would say Cop Yourself On in Dublin. Oh, oh, Cop. Okay, I, I can use that yeah. too. Yeah. Um, but I think Feck might be my favorite. Okay, I'm really For pleased. a very long time, I was like, so many misspellings, so many typos <laughs> in this book. Someone didn't do their job. And then I realized. And also Egypt, I thought, because it's spelt funny, I just thought it was like a foreign, foreign word. But no, yeah. an Irish, yeah. Irish What's word. The word. What's the word? Egypt? Egypt. Egypt. Do you not know Egypt, Mom? <laughs> it's sort of I'm like sure. the Irish vers- version of an idiot. So you'd say, oh God, he's some Egypt. No, that's the first oh, time wow. I've ever heard of that. Wow. Have you been to Ireland, Mel? I have. To okay. Thrice. Actually, all three of us went to... Um, Dingo. Yeah. On a well, then it's a really good sign that nobody called you in Egypt. And Egypt <laughs> exactly. I mean, maybe behind our backs, though, to be fair. That's very possible. <laughs> Could you tell where Darina's from? And Darina, can you tell where Brona's from? Like, based on her accent? Um... Do you know what? Probably not, actually, because you you definitely have a Dublin accent, but it's kind of, it's softened a little bit that I might say like Wexford or something. Yeah, I think I have the Dublin accent that my generation has from watching Friends, so it therefore sounds <laughs> a bit American. Uh, or people often think I'm Canadian because they know it's not English, they can't quite place it. But I, I would say, except for the odd kind of uh, English vowels that have come in after over a decade here, I'd say I've quite a quintessential... Dublin accent because it's a very city accent it's not kind of up and down it's on the one note um but I absolutely knew where Darina was from because she mentioned it in another podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah my my accent doesn't give a whole lot away if people, well, when you yeah. said what when you said what part of Cork City you went what part of Cork City and I was like <laughs> there it is <laughs> it does it, it's still there it definitely comes out yeah. Um, but when it's only really when I'm talking to other Irish people, I don't know what it is, but like when I'm talking to like my friends, like with, with Mel and um, Matilda and even on the podcast, there's something that happens that I just like adjusted a little bit. Yeah. And I don't know. It's like a subconscious thing, but still it's dormant, yeah. but then it just needs <laughs> a, little bit, a little bit of Irish to come out. Darina, the accent volcano. I think <laughs> with me being, right now, like as the American in the room, in the first yep. room. Um, I'm glad I, you're wearing your sash, American in the room. Yeah. American yeah. in the room. Um, <laughs> I personally really love the Irish accent because it sounds quite similar. Some Irish accents sound quite similar to American accents. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, yeah. We, I think Americans got our accents from the Irish, basically. Yeah. I mean, the Boston accent sounds so Irish and yeah, also crazy. 
Yeah, it really yeah. does. Um, but I, I really love the Irish accent and I just love the Irish way in general. There, I find- All right, Mal, stop falling in love with me. I know, <laughs> and Serena. Get it together. We've got a threesome here, guys. Okay. Um, oh, what about Mathilde? That's yeah, so what about me? Well, you're Italian, it's different. All yeah, right. You we like me. to, I don't know, family and Catholics. Yeah, Same that's thing. true. That's true, it's right. true. Um, but I do find Irish people generally quite warm and just very chatty, yeah. very chatty. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. I know what you mean. It's hard to sort of like generalize with entire nations. But I do. I did notice when I moved to London that when I would if I would start chatting to someone at a bus stop or on the tube, they would genuinely think I was mentally ill. Yeah. Whereas if you don't talk to someone next to you on the bus in in Ireland, you're really rude. Um, so there was kind of a bit of a cultural difference there. But I do find Londoners are very friendly so long as you absolutely make the first move. There is no way that they will make the first move. But once you do, then they're very friendly back and, and happy to chat. Totally. Yeah, they're a bit shocked at first and then yeah. kicks in. It just after, they, after they press the panic button under the desk, <laughs> then they're happy to share a joke with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I feel like you're getting more American in quarantine, by the way. because. Really? Yes, me and Mal had this whole moment yesterday because we she called me for a catch up, and um, I was eating at the time, and I was like, "I'm really sorry. I'm eating like a peanut butter and jam sandwich." Never have I heard the level of like vitriol from anyone going, wow. "It's not a fucking jam sandwich. It's peanut butter <laughs> and jelly, man." <laughs> Say though. I waited a good 10 minutes before I mentioned, by the way, it's called a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I could hear you as like, yeah. I could like feel the vibes through the, the phone when you were like, oh, okay. And then you did move on and then you pulled me up on it. But isn't jelly and jam different? This For us, yes, but not to Mal. Not to Americans. I'd say it's the same thing. I mean, it's sugary gelatiny jam jelly shit. Has jelly got lumps of fruit? Yeah, I mean, hang on a second, Mal. You can call them by the same name, but you can't say that they're the same thing. Like, you know, a jelly that you would have ice cream with is very gelatinous. Jam is like closer to a chutney. And it's got bits. Wait, hold on a second. Who's eating jelly with ice cream? What? <laughs> you would have jelly with ice cream? Why would you have jelly with? Who the fuck eats jelly with ice cream? I don't even know you right now. <laughs> jelly what? and ice cream. That's no. like the actual dessert of my childhood. Jelly and ice cream. But like from and like ice cream sandwiches where you put a slice of ice cream between two wafers. Jelena is nodding. I think we just need to later on send pictures of <laughs> so I can understand the differences. But generally speaking okay. in America, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich you would make with jelly or jam. We would call it jam or jelly, but we would never call okay. it a peanut butter and jam sandwich. No, absolutely. And and we respect that. And we Thank really you. respect that. Thanks. But sure then we, we want you to we want you to have some jam, as in from a jar, with ice cream, and then tell us if they're the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, yeah, I need to understand like that is not a, a, a treat of my childhood. That's I need to try it. It's good though. I won't knock it till I try it, even though I did knock it. But I, I won't knock it again. Fair. <laughs> again. So seeing as we're talking about Ireland, have you guys seen, Brona, have you seen normal people? Yes, I uh, am more than halfway through. I haven't gotten to the end yet. What about yourselves? 
Okay, so no spoilers. So well, I've read the book, so uh, I've spoiled it for myself. So you've ruined it for yourself, Bruno. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I've seen it. You guys have seen it as well, right? I'm obsessed. I haven't seen it yet. <gasps> I thought you had. So oh, you're in for a treat. You're in for a treat. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So, so I've been spending a lot of time in quarantine watching normal people. And for one, I don't know how you feel, Corona, but it's made me feel quite homesick. It's really, I also went to Trinity where they study. So it's really nostalgic for me. Yeah. You did. You're a Trinners yeah. for winners. Trinners for winners. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know when you know, when I said I'd read a book, if you realized how smart I am, but now that you know that I've read a book and gone to Trinity, uh, you know, then I'm really clever. <laughs> it's so funny because like, there's, there's other friends of mine who are, um, who are British and we've been talking about normal people. And one of my friends, Christina was like, I just feel like it's not a realistic, um, like portrait of college kids. She was like, I just don't really, under I don't know any kids that would like go to college and like sit around like reading literature and <laughs> wine. And I was like, you just don't know Trinity students. You just don't. Oh my God. I literally remember like sitting in the rooms that looked exactly like the rooms that they would sit in. I, I lived in the building where, uh, on Trinity campus, where one of the parties was in one of oh, the wow. early episodes. And like, we, li we literally would sit around with like wine in cups and like open, you know, pieces of literature that was, were on our English degree, read out a paragraph, then pass the book around for the next person to open it at a random <laughs> page. And like, I, I also like, it was before all the final Harry Potter books had come out. So we would have dinner parties and stay up till 3am discussing like theories about whether Snape would be good or not. Um, I know that's not quite the same as Ulysses, but to us it was. <laughs> it's like, it was a whole, it was a whole other world for me because I went to the Cork Institute of Technology. Yeah. Oh, right. Big up CIT. Yeah. I, we were like, we were one of the only media degrees in CIT. There was like the... Yeah. There was like the um, the graphic design art department and we fit in with that because we were like a brand new media degree. But the rest of CIT was pretty much um, like, it was engineering and it was like um, very, very like male heavy technical. So the weird kids in, in the corner who were doing graphic design and media degrees, we just we just didn't get a look in on anything really. Yeah, it was just fair. like very, very segregated. But, I've been watching um, a lot of normal people and also, I don't know if you've been seeing, Bruno, but it's caused such a shitstorm in Ireland with like, I don't know if we have many Irish sisters, I think we have a few actually, but people have been calling up this um, radio show called Liveline, Joe Duffy's Liveline, and basically yeah. using their shit at the fact that there's explicit sex scenes on Irish TV. It's Quite extraordinary, isn't it? Because you sort of forget with like the advancements in Ireland of the last few years in terms of like we were the first country in the world to vote in marriage equality by popular vote. Um, you know, obviously we repealed the Eighth Amendment, which means now women in Ireland have access to safe and legal abortions. These are things that you wouldn't think possible in Ireland kind of 15 years ago. But it's actually kind of reassuring to know that there's still an Ireland that'll be like, Joe, you wouldn't, a full penis. That's what I saw on the television, a full <laughs> penis. Uh, and they're riding away left, right and centre. No, they're not married. They're in school. Like, it's actually really quite like, it's, I don't know. I think I think it's, you forget that that Ireland still exists, that there are people that literally think, you know, sex belongs in marriage. Marriage is between a man and a woman. It's for procreation purposes. Right. Um, 
Yeah. I was actually really happy to see a full penis because <laughs> you haven't seen one in a while, to be fair. Well, for that reason too. But also, like, how many times do we see women's bodies exposed in television? Mm -hmm. We never see yeah. anything of a man. We're lucky if we see like their ass cheeks. Like yeah. that. We are lucky. We, we are, are lucky. <laughs> we got it. Mom, we're lucky. But yeah. like Seriously, I, I was just like, this is the show is beautiful. Like, I think yeah. I, I really I loved it. I loved it so much. Really. I think it's a really extraordinary sort of like microscope on to wait for it. Normal people. Um, and I think the performances and the direction and the writing of the adaptation, they're, they're all really superb. I mean, it's a very sort of quiet, simple show in the sense of like, I'm usually drawn to things that are a bit uh, more high concept or a bit funnier so it's a bit of a departure for me to watch something like that but when something's such good quality you can't help but think wow you know people did a good job here yeah absolutely and it started me thinking that because I agree with everything that you guys have said and, and you Mel about talking about like we just don't see um, women's bodies or, or men's bodies and, and we don't see like really realistic depicted depiction oh fuck. yeah you got it to read that one you yeah, got it you yourself. yeah. Um, we don't we don't really see that and it started me wondering like how far off realistically are we seeing like a queer normal people on terrestrial tv are we there yet are we still not it's a good question, but I just want to refer to I just want to return to the fact that when you were trying to say depiction, thank you, Vern. Uh, we could have said dick piction, and then that also yeah. would have been fun. Uh, but I just couldn't let that joke go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, in a way, we I know what you're asking, Darina, but in a way, we yeah, this is the first time we're kind of seeing a straight normal people in terms of like it being it being uh, an, a modern Irish drama that has broken through internationally. There haven't been many of those in a while. But also, as I say, the sort of level that the microscope is on their, on their relationship, it feels like a really intimate show. And I just can't, I can't think of anything in the last few years that's like it. But I, uh, there's, all, like, there's so much less queer uh, relationships uh, visible on TV than there is kind of opposite sex and also that they're the, allowed to be the center of a show um, you know very often they're allowed to be supporting characters but um, hardly ever is the show about their relationship and and if it is then I feel like 80% of them are coming out story rather than just joining two people at a point in their lives where they're you know having a mature relationship but having said that, like stuff that's not, you know, things have changed so much from where they were a decade ago, where it was sort of just the sassy gay best friend was the only trope that we were getting. Mm -hmm. um, and we weren't getting any kind of um, realistic representation. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, sorry, go ahead. And do you remember or do you have like any early memories of the first time you saw a queer character on TV or in film? And did it like resonate with you? Did, did that kind of register with you that you were watching something or a person or a character that you identified with or did it kind of pass you by or? Is that question for me or for everyone? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I remember the first time, I remember there being two women kissing in Brookside and I remember there being two men kissing in either Car Carnation Street or EastEnders. They didn't register with me at the time because I 
well, I felt straight until I was in my 20s. I I had no experience of being attracted to women until I was in my early 20s. I very much attracted to boys. Although I will say that I did really love that middle brother in Hanson who really, really looked like a girl. Oh my God, me too. Me too. I was so into him until I found out I was a boy and then I was less into him. You know what? Carter from the Backstreet Boys, <laughs> Darina, and um, and Taylor Hanson confused the fuck out of me because yeah. I think you're straight for all these years and all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah. no, they, they look like women. Yeah. There you go. Um, so oh, wow. I, 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 yeah. So I, I remember them being events, and I remember other people being really shocked by it. But I <clears throat> wasn't because from an early age, well, from the day I found out what it meant to be gay, which I also found out from television. It was an episode of Roseanne. Um, everybody was talking about this character being gay and what a big deal it was. And I asked, uh, I asked one of my parents, "What's what's gay?" Um, I asked my mom and she was like, oh, you know, happy. It means happy. And I was like, (laughs) I'm eight. I think you can tell me the truth. And so she explained that it was, uh, that it was, uh, you know, a a man who was attracted to another man. But she also kind of added an addendum that it wasn't normal, that it wasn't right. And I remember thinking, (laughs) I mean, ma'am, it sounds exactly the same. Well, a man likes a man. That's the same as a man liking the woman. And I was just lucky that I didn't have a day internalized homophobia or biphobia in my life just because when I found out that it was about love it just seemed completely fine so those kind of early representations of queer stuff on tv didn't uh didn't resonate so much but I do think that I would have copped on that I was bisexual a lot earlier if I had ever seen a bisexual character I just didn't know that they existed so my experience of being attracted to men as a kid and or boys really as a kid and as a teenager and then having a bit of attraction to women in my 20s I knew I wasn't gay but I also didn't totally know that bisexual people existed I mean there's still quite a lot of bi erasure in the media and in terms of how both the straight community and the queer community can talk about us but I think that if I'd had more representation, I would have been like, oh, there is another option. And that's actually also valid. And you're not yeah. just confused. There's actually yes. a thing that it, loads, loads of people are the same as you. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm if you don't talk about, about it. Yeah, I'm confused about like recipes. And I'm confused yeah. <laughs> when I get lost as I have a bad sense of direction. But I've never been confused about the fact that I can find anyone attractive potentially exactly. right yeah I think to your point earlier how you um you know you mentioned that um it's uh, you know I actually forgot the point hold on because <laughs> I was reading my my question to you that had to do with it hold on one it'll come back to you oh right no, so you were saying that like most tv shows and most films now are more like coming out stories or more mm. like I, probably in the past like 10-15 years like anything mm. that helped me come out was things like the L word or just random films that were just about a girl coming out. Um, Yeah, sure. And I feel like recently, like probably in the past five, six, seven years, we're seeing a lot more casual queer lines come into TV programs. Yeah. um, You know, where it's not just necessarily about a main character being gay or coming out as gay or bisexual or trans or anything like that. Um, You know, and there's more shows like, you know, like we saw it in Fleabag, you know, where Phoebe Mm Waller-Bridge kind of made a pass at um at Kristen Scott Thomas at the bar yeah um or things like Broad City I don't know if you've heard of that show um, yeah yeah Broad City is amazing <laughs> I fucking love Broad City but it's such yeah. like a nice way like her best friend's clearly in love with her but she also loves men and it's again it's it's really casual or like The Fall where Gillian Anderson has sex with mm. um 
what's her hot name? Um, damn it. She was Kalinda. She was Kalinda in the other show. Oh, Archie Punjabi. Yes. Yes. Babe. Total babe. Um, you know, I really fancy Archie Punjabi and she looks ridiculously like my wife. And I met her once actually at the BAFTAs and I, I asked her for a photo and uh, like an absolute nerd. So I took a photo of me and Archie Punjabi, then sent it to my wife in the middle of the night at like 3 a.m. My <laughs> wife woke up, looked at it and was like, why has Brona sent me a photo of the two of us? And went back to sleep. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I mean, they don't look like exactly alike, but they look a bit alike and, 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 and in some photos. But yeah, That's Archie so Punjabi funny. is... But yeah, I mean, like, again, you know, so there is that casual play. And then, you know, also in um, like one of my new favorite shows with Gillian Anderson, um, Sex Education. So there's yeah. a couple of the kids in the show who are either gay or one of the girls kind of is bisexual and she ends mm -hmm. up with a girl. So there's a lot more that's kind of being shown in the media these days that are not necessarily, I guess, to your point, like you're saying, not main characters, but they're definitely mm -hmm. a part of everyday quote-unquote normal life yeah absolutely do you yeah. feel like that's something that's just like I mean is there like a quota that needs to be filled like what why why are we seeing that more do you think well I think uh, I mean I think you're absolutely right I think it's changed like exponentially and the quality of that representation has changed like those characters feel a lot more truthful I think there's been a big push in the right direction in the last few years in TV for diversity um, in terms of diversity of voice uh, of the writers, diversity in terms of like race of the actors, um, in terms of story, in terms of you know disabilities, in terms of LGBT characters, there's, there's been a big push to like because people realize that actually we were just getting the same story over and over again, and that we were if we were only watching things that were written by straight white men that they were we were going to get a little bit bored of that voice, and so when uh, when we opened the door a little bit to let other people other voices through we realized that that made incredible shows and that and that we wanted to see more of that so I think platforms channels are all a lot more interested now in sort of new stories like stuff that they haven't heard before and I also think the explosion in terms of platforms and channels and the fact that tv has become a bit more competitive because you know not everybody is just going to sit down and watch bbc one at eight o'clock on terrestrial tv every night when they have amazon prime and netflix and um you know all of the other stations and apple tv and uh you know uh, content on iPlayer so I think that we they TV uh, commissioners have realized that they have to cater for everybody now and that yeah. means that means listening to everybody's stories and finding new ways to tell age-old stories like love stories or coming-of-age films even if they're not you know even if they're not necessarily coming out film um, and also I think that's TV has to hold a mirror up to what's happening in society. And if you look at what's happening in society, that there is also more people, there's also been more advancement in terms of uh, LGBT rights. So that means that therefore there's been more visibility in society. So therefore TV is going to represent that a little bit more. So everything is moving in the right direction. It's just that it's still, it's still not quite, the right it's still not quite exactly as as you know our experience say I mean I know that like your your article that you wrote for the Guardian is amazing about um you thank know, you having more representation of women writers um and getting them in the room which I think is hugely important and yeah do you, do you think with that lack of diversity that that kind of transpires a little bit to to even 
queer women and queer men? Like, do you see, like, are they a part of the the situation in, in the writers' rooms? Like, are you do you know what I mean? Like, and and do people, I don't know. I guess like amongst because I I one of the links that was attached to to your story um, led me to LA an LA Times article, and it kind of just showed you the amount of women versus men writing for like the Conan O'Brien show or uh, yeah. Seth Rogen. And I mean, it's it's actually disgusting how few females, it's like five females to like 20 to 25 males yeah. uh, on a writer's team. And I'm just, I'm just kind of curious if like, I think within that, even if there's females, but even for males, like are there, is there representation of like gay, bisexual, trans, queer people like in, as, as a part of these, uh, of the writer rooms? Yeah, I mean, it's a really good question because I think, uh, first of all, I think there's a lot of mystery around what a comedy writer's room is because on some shows you're kind of hidden. You're not you're you're not credited as a writer because you know the producers want it to look to the audience like it's not a written show that it's all spontaneous. Um, and second of all, it uh, has come as a trickle down job say from stand-up which has been traditionally male dominated for decades because uh you know it started in the clubs and you know it just there was less women going into stand-up I think that's I think that has changed hugely now the most exciting stand-ups that are working in the world are women and then in terms of comedy writer room comedy writers rooms my experience I mean I've worked in writers rooms certainly for the last six or seven years and uh, for the first, I don't know, four or five, if I was in the room, nine times out of 10, I was the only woman in the room. It's only in the last two years that I've started to go into a writer's room of four or five or more people, and there's been one other woman in the room. And when that happens, it's extraordinary because you no longer have to be the person speaking for all women. So, you know, if you're the only woman in the writer's room and a female character comes up and, you know, the boys want to do something slightly dodgy with it. And then you're like, oh, is that the only female character? And what's this saying about women? And oh, it must be my job to point out that she shouldn't be naggy. And it just becomes so boring because then you're not sitting there trying to think of the best jokes. You're just sitting there trying to be the you know, the kind of PC police and because you care about the representation. So having another woman in the in the rooms has been amazing. And then in the last, uh, again, kind of year or two, I've worked in a couple of rooms that have been all women, a couple of writers rooms. And that, you know, was has just only really new in this country in the last few years. And again, there's a totally different dynamic and you're getting, you know, you're getting a different shared experience. So I think gender is just, is definitely different now, but it's it's only kind of catching up. In terms of what you're asking about, is there also kind of queer representation in terms of uh, everybody on that sort of wherever they fall on the LGBT spectrum? Um, I think that's also probably slower. I wonder if that also comes from the fact that like, you know, in a job interview, you can kind of, you can usually see somebody's gender, not always. You can usually see their race, not always, but you don't necessarily always see their sexuality. And so maybe people putting together those rooms aren't able to make an informed decision unless a writer kind of volunteers it or they're sort of very vocal about it on social media or whatever. I think that the I think that the writers' rooms are still just kind of homogenous, and they're just they're just starting to get a little bit better. And mm-hmm. so we can we'll be able to see them, you know, get better in all in all directions. But it's still it's still lagging behind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- yeah. I I guess like the reason I'm curious is because 
because I feel like there is so much more introduction of, I, I call it casual queer lines, but it, it sure. just feels like it because like a show like Killing Eve as well. I mean, God, their relationship is amazing. I wouldn't call that casual though. I yeah. mean, it's like yeah. hammering it in your face and shoving but, it down your throat. But it's not really a love story about them, is it? Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's very much like a secondary part of, I mean, at least in my, from my perspective, um, it's a secondary part of of that of that relationship, but it's great because it's such a popular show. It's getting out there that like women can have complex relationships with one another and not have it be the focal point of the thing. That's not like, oh my god, they're lesbians. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I would say women can only have complex relationships with one another. Have you ever had a simple relationship with a woman? Nah. That's <laughs> I love some how something like Booksmart does it very well, actually. I thought Booksmart apart Booksmart from Booksmart is absolutely brilliant it it's is just amazing. so cool and beyond the fact that is so fucking funny and it's got one of the best soundtracks of any film i've seen in a very long time <laughs> also has a very very casual um lesbian character in it no yeah. one really mentions it no one really cares about it. it's mentioned it a couple of times just in the context of like dating or not dating and that's it it's not a thing she's not coming out everyone's aware of it yeah i just it's just in the background and no one cares and i love that I, I, I love that too. And I think there is an extraordinary moment in that film, actually, when uh, when the queer character, I can't remember her name, but brilliant actress, she's sort of looking across the schoolyard at her crush and her crush. And it sort of goes into that kind of thing that teen rom-coms will do, where it'll be slow motion music. But it's not, it's sort of, it's exactly how a woman would see another woman rather than how a man would see a woman. And that sort of, the you know, the kind of the camera work, the angles, the kind of comedy of her on her skateboard the fact that actually her crush isn't like tr what would you call it like uh mainstream good looking she's a bit quirky looking but she also is exactly the kind of person that a young queer woman might be drawn to and it's just really it's just really truthful kind of writing performance Definitely. direction and then it's as a as a queer uh watcher you recognize that you mm -hmm. trust that and then you like that show more because it's not you know, something like Blue is the Warmest Colour, where that central relationship was so directed and written by a straight man. And it was sort of like, you know, these these women were doing things in bed in a way that, um, you know, most women would only do on their holidays. Like... <laughs> <laughs> on a birthday. <laughs> but even parts, like, never. Like, how are they doing that? I know, yeah. How are they doing that? And that wouldn't feel nice. And like, why is there so much snot coming out of her nose all the time? <laughs> There's no need for all that snot. <laughs> it's like The Handmaiden, where they end up, the whole, this whole beautiful kind of film where there's all these it was incredible Korean um, um, costumes and the whole story and it's amazing and then the very last scene is the two of them scissoring hard and you're like no yeah. no you nearly got it you nearly got it <laughs> and then it just becomes this like cheap porn scene with like long nails and just oh yeah, yeah. No. I haven't seen yet me either it's uh, it's it, it just had a lot of potential, but they messed it up with some very like male-directed sex scenes. Yeah, there. was it the fact that they were scissoring, or the fact that it was unrealistic scissoring? It was very porny. So you know how like it was kind yeah. of side facing. So they weren't uh, yeah. even like looking at each other. They were like facing the camera, and this yeah. kind of very like clumsy sort of. I love the hand motions that you're doing. I mean, like, long nails. <laughs> yeah, long, well, longer than this. Um, and just kind of very stylized. Uh, it's just, 
Yeah. You just don't believe it. You know, it's sort of like if a posh person is writing how working class people speak and they don't have an authentic voice and they're not, and they're not using phrases that, you know, that that person would use. And so an audience can, can, you know, they'll realize if something isn't truthful immediately, they might not know why, but they'll know that, you know, but they'll know that it isn't. And so mm-hmm. that's sort of why it's important for the authentic voice of the writer or the writer's room or, you know, or the director or sometimes even the actors for them to have, to be able to say, this is a bit more believable. Yeah, I totally yeah. think with like the hand, the, what is it called again? Handmaiden? Handmaiden. Yeah, handmaiden. Yeah. I made the mistake of watching that with my mom when it came out. <laughs> like, but for me to, to explain to her, to be like, actually, Women don't really scissor like that. Like I'm not gonna say that to her. You know what I mean? And like my she needs dad. To know. But like, but yeah. But I'm I, I'm mortified. Like that was such a bad idea to go with a parent to see that film. Oh, um, did you see it in the cinema as well? So there's yeah, no escape. Yeah. Oh yeah, we saw it in the cinema. I mean, hey, the the film was beautifully shot. I mean, the cinematography yeah. was outrageous, and the costume design and all of that was like really gorgeous. But but yeah, I mean, to your point, Matilda, it just it didn't really kind of get it. Right. And I think um, similar with uh, disobedience. So before Francesca and I got married, my dad was really struggling with just in general with me, my being gay. He's Middle Eastern. So enough said. Um, So anyway, so on the plane ride over, he um, decided to watch disobedience as like. Wow. (laughs) On the way to the wedding. On the way. Yeah. On the way to the. And then talked about it. And I was like, why is my, like my dad watched disobedience. And then I hadn't seen the film at the time. Yeah. Um, So when I saw it afterwards and I saw the, the really hot sex scene, I was like, he thinks that Francesca and I spit in each other's mouth. <laughs> like on that's, a regular basis. That's probably what he thinks. Do you know what I mean? So it is, so I think like in some ways. Vern- I did really like that film, by the way. Did you like it? I think it's okay. I mean, I love oh, I like likes. It. Like she's amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I think that like for people who are not gay, like I, I guess I'm in this moment, my parents, um, <laughs> watching certain things. It's like, I do want them to have like an accurate representation of what a gay relationship is. Sure. And what it isn't. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so it can be a bit, I think it can be a bit tricky. Mm. But they should just be like, I wish there was more. And they're probably, you know what, there probably is because Booksmart was a great example of just um, queer couples in the media that are just normal that go home. Although this, I'm about to describe like they go home from work, they have a glass of wine, they fall asleep, but that's probably not very good TV either. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that is a fair point that there has to be drama, you know, that there has to be some drama and that's probably why there's always a parent that opposes the relationship or, you know, or their own internalized shame or. Yeah. 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 Or somebody dies or does some dodgy scissoring or, yeah. like, you know, there's going to be something, but do you have um, a queer character that you've come across in film or TV or a book that's like stood out for you? Do you have like a favorite? Mine, I was trying to think about mine actually, and I don't really have a favorite favorite, but I remember being like really fascinated with Nathan and Queer as Folk. Um, do you I don't remember? remember it well enough. I remember the show, but I don't remember Nathan. So Tell Nathan us about him. Like this like 15 year old kid who had like exploded out of the closet in Manchester and was just like absolutely living his best life, like falling out with his parents, like sleeping with like these like older powerful men in a non-dodgy kind of sense. And it was just such a, a, 
a like unapologetic portrayal of a, a teenage boy who's like, fuck the world, I'm gay, I'm gonna just do whatever, I'm gonna do me. And I yeah. remember that was really awesome. For a while, Shane from the L Word was like, sure. I didn't love her, but I, I liked the character. I didn't, I wasn't like, you were an awesome character, but I, I loved yeah. the portrayal of just this kind of, um, no shame attached, just this woman who just loved women and just wanted to shag around and, and didn't give a shit. And I was like, yeah. I, I just love seeing that on TV. And she obviously, you know, it rolled out that she had her own internal struggles and everything, but again, drama. But I just love yeah. it. Yeah. What about you, Mal and Mathilde? Do you have favorite queer characters? Um, I think the one that probably helped me the most, because I, I came out in my... Um, like when I was 23, 24 years old. So, and I was actually living, living in London. Um, and it was that film um, with the two Middle Eastern girls. What, what is that film called again? I can't believe it's escaping my brain. Um, uh, so one's basically Palestinian and the other one is, um, I think like Jordanian or something. Um, oh my God, they did the world unseen, the same, the two same actresses. And then they did, this film was quite famous on the lesbian circuit, like early 2000s. It's not called Fire, is it? Not Fire. Isn't that the, um, that's the Asian one. Anyway, so this, this, this it'll come to me. Uh, this particular film, I think why it stuck out to me is because they were like quite middle-class uh, Middle Eastern characters. Actually, one of the girls was Indian. One of them was Middle Eastern, sorry. And, um, and basically it, it just, obviously they were from really, strict families that were quite, um, you know, like insular in their thoughts and their views of the world. And, um, and obviously they were two girls who fell in love with each other. And it just, to me, that was like the first time I saw something, I was like, oh, people of different cultures do also struggle with this. And, um, and I really, it, it just helped me, I guess. And like seeing things like the L word and stuff obviously is good, but I think seeing this particular story, I think, um, yeah, it, it had like a profound effect on my 23-year-old brain, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember, I, I probably said this story before, but um, I used to work in a bookshop a long time ago when I first moved to London. And I used to um, hide under the, behind the counter when there's not too many customers and read Sugar Rush, all the, um, the different... Oh, yeah. There was quite a few um, books of Sugar Rush, like episodes. And um, yeah, I used to love that. And then when the series came out, I was like, oh, I think it's because I never had that growing up so like a, a teenage crush like I did have teenage crushes on girls but it never sort of led to anything so I loved the idea of a teenage crush that leads to something even if it's drama or even if whatever yeah. someone's like in theory straight and all that kind of stuff but I just like the idea of kind of that leading somewhere because it never led to anywhere yeah. um for me at the time so yeah I think I think Sugar Rush was was one that um not the name of the film it's I can't think straight Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, right? Everyone knows it. I haven't seen it. No. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I, I don't know about sort of early influences, but I think I did, we've already uh, touched on my love for Archie Punjabi, but I think that Linda in The Good Wife, what I really liked about that character was that her bisexuality was just really incidental to, you know, the rest of the story and the work. And the only time you would kind of see it was she would be taking a call and there would be somebody in her bed and you know, that person would sometimes be a woman and sometimes be a man and there would be no rhyme or reason to that. And it would just
just be whoever she was attracted to or whoever she happened to have been dating or sleeping with at that time. Um, and it just was done with like quite a light touch, which I, which I quite liked. And it's funny, like as we're talking about this, I'm just remembering just loads of great shows that have happened in the last couple of years that have either had sort of incidental queer lines, as you've called them, Mal, or have kind of centered around, you know, they've been mainstream shows that have centered around queer characters, like Feel Good on Channel 4 that Mae Martin wrote and performed in was really good. Gentleman Jack, which is a big BBC period oh, drama yeah. last year, was so Amazing. camp oh. and fun. And yeah. oh my God, the performance from Saran Jones is just unbelievable. And like, you know, she's, as far as I know, identifies as straight and, I, and I, you know, and straight actors can play queer characters. It's just nice to also give queer, queer actors a bit of a shot. Yeah. But that is just, that was such an amazing performance of like, you did really buy her as this kind of quite manly, um, just absolutely tortured lesbian. And she just seemed like there wasn't a straight bone in her body. Like, and yeah, it was just an incredible performance, I thought. Definitely. Yeah, dude, that was such a good show. I, I isn't the the new season should be coming out. Yeah, I think Ooh. they may have been shooting when COVID hit, uh, so I think it might be delayed, like lots of things. But no. I, I, I think what well. also has been making a difference is from a very sort of basic point of view is the fact that people have realised that queer shows or shows with queer characters or women um, writing tables they make money. And I think for yes, a long time, really people point. just thought, oh, if you put a woman in it, or if it's a queer character, all of that, if we don't yeah. see the sort of standard like boxes being ticked, it's just not going to make money. And so it felt like a massive risk, but actually they make money, they make a ton of money. And I think that's why there's kind of massive appetite now for just kind of sometimes kind of shoving in queer lines just for the sake of it sometimes, rather than kind of really developing a proper queer line. Okay. But yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think you're right. And I think that people are absolutely starving to see themselves represented on film and TV. Like you were talking about Jarena in terms of like, just wanting to see like a normal queer couple or like something that like reflects my life back. And I think um, Mathilde in terms of like them making money, I think the fact that like TV and platforms has opened up to that any show can go international now. I think that's where sort of queer TV shows will have a big hit because like, you know, I know speaking for me personally, uh, which is all I can do, I would watch anything that had a funny and realistic uh, same sex female characters at the heart of it. And that doesn't matter if that's an Australian show or if it's, you know, or if it's Iranian or wherever it's, wherever it's from, I'll hunt it down and find it. And so now that we can seek out that content and pay for it, it does mean that sort of people will make a show going, well, maybe a certain amount of people will watch it in the UK, but it'll also have a, have an international appeal, which will work. Yeah. Money talks. <laughs> yeah. But it is, but it's great that finally money talks in the right way for us. <laughs> Do you feel like, um, have you ever in your career made like a concerted effort to push any sort of like queer rhetoric in, in anything that you've written? Or is that not something you've ever really thought about? Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, so like, as you sort of said at the start, my career to date has been sort of mostly gag writing, aside from acting, which is sort of separate. And I'll, you know, I'll play whatever roles I get cast in. And um, my, my comedy writing is a lot of gag writing and sketches and award shows and stuff like that. So it's sort of like, 
uh, that's sort of one element of it. But as, but I also would really love to have more original sitcoms on the TV. But that's mm-hmm. just also a really uh, difficult path because like a pilot will cost hundreds of thousands of pounds. So it's something that, you know, not very many get made and it's a it's a really tough nut to crack. But I have been pitching various sitcoms for like a couple of years now and I literally put a queer lead in every single one. And sure. the fact that they haven't been made yet hasn't been because the, you know, the commissioners have gone, oh no, a queer person. It's just because it hasn't been my time. But yeah. in terms of when I do get like, you know, the original sitcom on the telly, you can rest assured that that, because, you know, that I've now been with um, my partner for 10 years. So that's my biggest experience of a relationship. I'm going to be writing about that. And I also think that women in a relationship, and I'm sure you'll all agree, are so funny together because it's a totally (laughs) different dynamic to opposite sex uh relationships your experience of life is different you know you can you like everybody has the foot the scene where they were checking into a hotel and the and the receptionist is confused because they want a double bed and everybody has the scene where their mistake they're asked if they're sisters I mean my wife and I are different races and we get asked if we're sisters you know (laughs) all the time and it's just sort of like there there are those things that happen externally but then there's also the dynamics between two women that are that are funny and, and that are funny in different ways to the dynamics between a man and a woman for example we all really love this I don't know if you've ever seen it um uh, the SNL sketch at Cherry Grove oh, I don't know if I've seen it oh, I'll watch it after this it's oh, hilarious. oh good it's and it's a real place oh cool um it's basically an uh, uh, just uh, one of those sketches that compares there's this this um reality tv show in the u.s i've never seen it but it's fire island and it's basically just like hot oh, yeah. gay guys just like raving together being hot being beautiful being you know super muscly gorgeous and like falling out and whatever and so they made this this kind of parody of like uh, fire island versus cherry grove which is the amazing but all the lesbians are and they're all in the mid to late thirties with babies, like being passive <laughs> aggressive with each other, talking about babies, <laughs> crying and singing all together in a group. And that shit's realistic. Yeah. 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 But it's yeah. so funny. It's true. Especially seeing on the outside going, Oh my God, that is me and my friends on a holiday. Shit. Yeah. But it's so me funny. And, me and my uh, partner have a running joke, which is when one of us says, mostly me through tears goes, we can't both be women at the same time. Cause if it's <laughs> one of us is having a meltdown about something and the other one decides to have the same meltdown at the same time. And it just doesn't work. You <laughs> yeah. need one person to stand outside and be like, okay. <laughs> Deep breath. Um, I think one of my favorite lines in Cherry Grove is when, like, I don't know, they're they're upset, babies are crying, and at the end, this woman's like, "I just don't feel like you see me. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to see me. I see you." And there was, <laughs> oh, that sounds great. Yeah, Kate, Kate McKinnon, I think, probably had a lot to do with writing that sketch. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, like, I like to think so. She's oh, great in it. Pure gold. Have well, you seen the Kate McKinnon Carol parody that <gasps> she did for the? Yes. Oh, that's one of my favorite sketches. Uh, no. yeah, oh, I'm going to send it to you. Yeah, she Please. just, uh, it's sort of, yeah, it's um, it's a parody of the scene where she meets Therese and they have lunch. And yeah. uh, it's like their clandestine lesbian lunch. Um, it's really funny. I'll send it on. Um, it was one of the, the shows that you were pitching. I was reading in that article. Is it actually called Galkaida? No, that was a joke for the <laughs> <article>. <laughs> Okay, I was like... <laughs> I'm 
like, that's hilarious. <laughs> no, I think that was when, so for people who like aren't, aren't up to date with all of my press controversies, it was when, uh, I can't even remember what happened now. I was, I was asked to speak on a panel um, at a TV conference about like diversity in comedy writing. And at the same panel, the head of ITV, and that was also a head of ITV comedy was on the panel with me. She announced that she was doing an initiative at ITV comedy. That meant that going forward, uh, no team written show could just have an all male team that they were going to have to also try and hire women. Um, and then we didn't know that there was a BBC reporter there. The next day I woke up to my friends tagging me in articles in like the Huffington Post, the Hollywood Reporter, BBC News, Guardian. And the headline was like, ITV bans male comedy writers. And then as the thumbnail, they used a photo of me yeah. because I had also <laughs> been at the panel. So they basically, basically made me the poster child for keeping men out of comedy. And none of this was accurate or based in fact or anything. Like what they were saying the initiative did was far from it. I was being used as the poster child because I was writing on an ITV show that previously had only had male writers, et cetera, et cetera. But I then wrote an article in The Guardian to clear it up, which is the one that Mal is referring to. And I used, I made a joke about like the types of uh, shows women would write. And I think I, so, so obviously when that happened, I then got loads of trolling online yeah. because I was, you know, a woman on the internet. <laughs> um, and uh, and so one of the trolls had used the hashtag Gal Qaeda, like women are keeping men out of comedy, hashtag Gal Qaeda. And yeah. I just thought it was the fucking funniest thing. So in That's this article, I made a joke that I was going to write a sitcom called Gal Qaeda. <laughs> I think you still should. I mean, why not? Um, I think that the initiative, so isn't it, it's called Comedy 50-50, right? Yes. Yeah. I think yeah. that it's amazing. And um, Saskia Schuster, is that how you pronounce her name? Yeah, Saskia Schuster. Yeah, I mean that that sounds like it's like that is incredible. I mean, if you could just put that into every single industry in yeah. the world, that would be amazing. It um, still feels like it should be the baseline though. Yeah. Like yeah. it is incredible, but even the fact that we find it so incredible is depressing in a way because that should just be the norm normality. Like it shouldn't be out of the ordinary or like something that raises anything. Like it should just be like, yeah, this is it. Of course, it's logic. It's really yeah. funny you say that. I had an experience uh, this year where I worked with an all-male team that I hadn't worked with before. Um, so there was, I think, four guys, four straight white guys in the room, and I was coming in to be the fifth person to work on this show with them. And uh, when I went home to my partner that evening, she was like, how was it? And I was like, oh, my God, babe, it was amazing. Like, they were so nice to me. They told me where the toilets were. <laughs> they um they gave me like the login so we could all work on the document at the same time. Like when I made jokes, they like would listen. And she was like, are you serious? Do you think that's good? That's like the baseline that any employee, yeah. like any employee should give each other. But because I'd been in so many writers rooms where people shout over each other and don't enjoy comedy and are like, you know, and there's quite a bullying atmosphere. This would like seemed to me like it was the best thing that had ever happened. That's it's common decency, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I think um, the only visual I've ever had of a writer's room is like 30 Rock with Tina Fey. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite similar, except that's really quite big. Like my experience of writing teams would be four to eight people. I've never been in one where there's so many, although maybe there is that many in 30 Rock. Just seems like there's quite a big long table in that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's but, really that ridiculous. It's it's it can be and it can be that 
gross and <laughs> and you can all be there late and but I think uh I think writers rooms in the US are very different to writers rooms in the UK because um there's a much they've just been around for longer writers rooms in the UK are quite new like a lot of things in this country are autoured so it's sort of one or two people they pitch a show and then they write all of the episodes and it can you can do that in a country where most series are only six episodes in the states most series are 22 episodes yeah. so you absolutely would need a much bigger machine um but things are moving a little bit more towards writers rooms now because as i said already shows are becoming a bit more of an international thing that will sell beyond the bbc or beyond whatever uk platform they're on um and i love a writer's room it's m so infinitely more fun to write jokes when you have an immediate feedback of whether or not they're funny and also just you get energy from other people and uh and then you can also jump on their ideas and make that better and they do the same to yours and it's so much easier than sitting at home in your pajamas look staring at a blank page trying to write stuff yeah well we're super excited to hopefully very soon see watch any of your uh, of your shows and i'm sure they will be made and uh, well shows that i contribute to are on the tv all the time to be mm. fair it would just uh, i'd also now quite like to move on to um to having a show that i'm showrunner on or well yeah that, that's that's what we're looking out for yeah sure well any day now <laughs> <laughs> there's loads of money going into tv at the moment yeah <laughs> oh absolutely shit loads like yeah it's a great time 2020 it's just a great year all around 2020 <laughs> so many nice things happening Bye, new year um brona thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast well i had a terrible time you're all horrible people <laughs> sorry <laughs> just kidding it was lovely thank you darina you're thank so you. welcome and if people want to find your twitter and your instagram how would they find you uh, yes, I am at Brona C. Titley on Twitter. And I think I'm just Brona C. Titley on Instagram. And um, yeah, they're very welcome to follow me there, where I mostly make jokes about how much I hate the Tories. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that. Amen. Can I just give a very quick shout out to um, one of our lovely friends of the pod, Miss Blaze, who um, listened to our last episode and... Uh, I sent me a box of bottled cocktails because I was complaining that I couldn't have a cocktails at the moment. Oh, um, so thank you very nice. much. And I shall be enjoy enjoying all those porn star martinis. Um, <laughs> very happy. Um, can, I, can I have one? Yes, you can. So Matilda and I now only live one street away from each other. So, That's so that, cool. This sort of stuff is actually realistic. Like, yeah. <laughs> you come over and get a porn star martini. <laughs> Two meters away. Two meters away. Of course, of course, always. I we'll feel like I'm going more. on holiday to Black Horse Road because I live up the other end by Walthamstow Central. So I like walk 20 minutes and feel like I'm just like going to the other end of the earth because all of you guys are like in this like concentrated little little lesbian bubble down in, down in Black Horse Road. <laughs> it's true. It's true. We love we love seeing your face. So come come this weekend. Absolutely. I am one person that can go and stand two meters apart from other people there. So that's exciting. And drink star martinis together. Amen to that. Amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Brona. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Mal, Matil, Darina. Thank, yeah, thank you. you.